0: This is Opinionated Science from Technology Networks. I'm Rory McKenzie. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the murky world of food fraud. Joining me is my colleague here at TN, Karen Stewart. How are you doing, Karen?
1: I'm good, thanks. Thank you, Rory.
0: Good. Um, So I think we'll start off by sort of defining food fraud. And there was a handy definition included in one of the articles over on our site. As usual, we'll be linking all the articles through the podcast. And the definition in that piece was saying that Food fraud occurs when products are knowingly diluted or substituted with other products, usually as a kind of cost saving measure by the producer. Sometimes products are mislabeled or misrepresented in order to justify charging a higher price for a lower quality item. And that makes it sound just kind of like a, a money saving measure, it's just an, an economic problem. And in many cases of food fraud, that means there's not necessarily a human risk is there? it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna hurt the consumer. I don't know if you have any good examples, Karen, of foods that have been subjected to food fraud because it seems to be quite a wide field.
1: Um, okay, so there are loads of really good examples of food fraud. As you say, typically it's done for economic purposes. So it might be something like substituting a cheap honey um, instead of something like manuka honey, which is uh, attracts a premium price. Um, and while in a lot of cases there may be no harm for the, the consumer, uh, one they're not getting what they're paying for, and in some cases, because you're not getting that item that you're paying for, you don't know where it's come from, you don't know it's been produced in a safe way. so that's really where like, the primary problem lies
0: exactly. there's been numerous scandals it's It's become much more of a a big headline story and maybe the last sort of ten fifteen years there's been headlines like the Chinese milk scandal where uh, a large Chinese milk company in fact, there are several implicated were found to have been adding a compound called melamine into infant formula and milk products. Now, what melamine did was give these products the appearance of having higher protein, but instead of just giving them higher protein, uh, it was also found to be causing kidney failure in the kids that was given to. Melamine is routinely used in making things like kitchen countertops and other uh, materials like that, so it was really horrible, the idea of that ending up in inside an infant formula and it kind of suggests that, yeah, food fraud can actually in in certain cases be seriously dangerous for consumers.
1: Absolutely. Um, And another really good example um, would be something like the horse meat scandal. Um, So horse meat in itself, not dangerous to eat, widely eaten in countries like France, not so much in the UK. Um, But the problem comes that if it's ending up in a product that's supposed to be beef or pork, it obviously hasn't been through the correct handling procedures. You don't know what veterinary drugs might be in that. I mean, have you got any thoughts on on the horsemeat scandal? Well, I think it
0: was fascinating. Yeah, the um, you know it was big news here in the UK because there was you know very popular brands like supermarket brands that were found to be selling like a lasagna, which was uh, up to sixty percent horse meat rather than the beef it was meant to contain and to think how long consumers have been kind of snacking on this without really realizing it uh, it's quite a it's quite a thought and also i think it does say a lot about the nature of the food business now you know the guardian and other major newspapers kind of tracked the progress of horse meat during the scandal and it was zigzagging all over the eu going from uh, you know a factory that made the order in france over to abattoirs in romania going back and forth between several countries before ending up in a supermarket in the uk so Imagine that being able to detect food fraud is is seriously important because it's so it's so fluid and the the products move around so much. Supermarkets are going to have thousands of items to check. So, what w- what is the process for for checking for food fraud? What what techniques are used generally?
1: Absolutely. So, in the case of something like the horse meat scandal, I mean, it's quite possible that this sort of thing's been going on for a very long time, but we didn't necessarily have the tools to be able to detect it. So, with the, with the horse meat scandal, for example, uh, we can take a small amount of that meat um, and look at it at the genetic level to determine which species the meat has come from. Um, and increasingly, there are not only uh, laboratory tests, but there may be a point of use test, so you're able to do testing at the factory. Um, I mean, less so for horse meat, but for things like uh, dried goods, for example, flour or something. Um, you want to be able to determine, is this batch what it's supposed to be? So people are using a lot of handheld, um, scanners, uh, for example, Raman scanners, to determine if what they are looking at is what it should be. If it's flagged up as being potential for a problem, then it can obviously be then sent to a lab for uh, more detailed investigations where you might use something like mass spectrometry.
0: Which would determine the molecular weight of it, right?
1: absolutely yeah so you're looking at that product at the molecular level
0: mm-hmm. that's uh, that's at least a sort of foolproof way of doing it it's it's just scary to think that things are moving around between countries where you know these kind of regulations and and tests might not be possible or or used routinely at all um but it's it's nonetheless like it's a good it's a good field for these kind of innovations to be made in technology um one interesting example is again in that in the melamine scandal In the wake of that happening, uh, loads of different companies were kind of scrambling to come up with, as you say, like a point of use test to to work out where melamine was. Uh, The problem was that the current tests that were being used didn't have any distinction between the nitrogen that was found in melamine uh, and the nitrogen that would be found in normally occurring protein amino acids. So. You know, if you packed a, a vial of milk full of melamine, it was coming up as nutritious and high protein, despite being neither. And the some companies of uh, one company called Glucosentient have tried to adapt uh, the like a handheld glucose monitor, usually used for totally different purposes, um, but instead reinventing it to kind of specifically target this melamine molecule uh, with much more exact. Uh, Specificity, so it's yeah, it's exciting to see these kind of technologies being used. I know there's other things like lasers and NMR that's used. Are there mm-hmm. any good examples of them being yeah, deployed? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So with um, NMR spectroscopy, it's been used uh, with wine authentic- authentication. Um, so when a wine is produced, it's the grapes are grown in a specific area, and there are quite often regional laws that determine where they can be grown, how they must be grown. Um, for example, um, in some of the many, many appellations you get within France, that is a great example of an area where you have a lot of strict regulations. Um, But you may have one area where their wine is worth, say, £100 a bottle, and then another area, not even necessarily too far away, where the same wine is worth £10 a bottle. Okay. So from a producer's point of view or um, a seller's point of view, you can see why you might want to label it as being your neighbour's wine, for example. Mm-hmm. So with a wine, uh, if it's grown in a particular area, uh, that will be represented in that wine. And you can use techniques like NMR spectroscopy to be able to determine where that wine has come from, where those grapes have been grown, uh, just using those trace elements. Uh, In Hungary, uh, specifically, they're really pioneering this kind of technology as well to try and defend their their wine culture. Um, France is another great example.
0: Didn't even know Hungary had a wine culture, but apparently so. There you go. Yeah, very much up and coming. Yeah, good on them for getting the the assessment right. I mean, I think wine fraud is a really hugely interesting area. Mm -hmm. It's gone far beyond science. There was a a great documentary that I haven't seen yet. I've been reading up about it called Sour Grapes, uh, which was released a few years back. That was discussing a a big case of wine fraud, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. There's um.
0: This guy Rudy Kurniawan, who's a Indonesian-born um, wine seller was found to have been selling wine bottles which were vintages from his particular years uh, that didn't exist. The observer reported about this saying that he'd been selling a, a big package of cloded Saint from the Domaine ponceau which were vintages he, he'd labeled between 1945 and 1971 but the, uh, the head of the house that was meant to have been producing these grapes said that they had actually started producing any of that wine in nineteen eighty two but you know what was interesting to me about that is it was you know, stupid errors like that him just not looking up the dates of when wine would have been made as opposed to any testing because I guess you can't taste you it doesn't mean you could taste like even master wine uh what's the word for uh for someone who tastes wine it's got a fancy name doesn't it? Uh, A sommelier? Meet, or... That one. Oh, yeah. that one. <laughs> so even the best sommelier, you yeah. know, they've, they've shown in some studies that algorithms can be developed based on uh, the weather conditions when grapes are growing uh, that can match their taste buds. And some of these most ex- these most expensive wines probably are never right. going to get tasted, right?
1: Exactly. And that is the challenge very much. Um, if, if, for example, he had labeled those bottles correctly, would he have ever been found out? Who knows? Because as you say, most of the really, really expensive bottles. Are going to sit in someone's cellar as an investment piece, so it's unlikely that a lot of them will be tasted, and you certainly can't test them either. You can't pop the cork out, have a little have a little check <laughs> to make sure that your yeah. two hundred thousand pound bottle of wine is what it says it's supposed to be.
0: And now yeah. it's worthless. <laughs> <Yes>. uh. Precisely. <laughs> yeah, um, but there's yeah there's all these all of these really interesting examples. But I guess the while Mossy is such a high profile case because mm-hmm. what he did ultimately impacted upon seriously rich people in the documentary yeah. they talk to one of the cock brothers uh you know these guys that are mm-hmm. implicating all the election stuff through in the us um i think bill cock is the one uh who they're they're talking to who's more of a collector of various different expensive things like model boats and real boats and and wines so uh he's the kind of guy that this this seller annoyed with his activities so although when you uh yeah I know the richest people in society tend to end up in prison, like Mr. Kearney one did. Uh, there's all these other impacts on, on consumers. Do we know much about what you know consumers' response has been to these kind of instances of food fraud?
1: I think in a lot of cases, people tend to feel cheated, understandably, because they're paying a premium for something that they're not getting, um, and also concerned because they don't know what they've actually been given. Um, so herbs are another one that maybe. Don't seem necessarily an no. obvious choice, but they are something that are subject to fraud frequently. Um, and it's an easy way of cutting costs for con- uh, for producers. Um, so you, it might for example, oregano is something mm-hmm. that has been uh, fraudulently sold on a number of occasions, and they've done some analysis on these and found there are all sorts of leaves you know, from olive tree leaf to all sorts of things. So, but do you actually know that what you what you've bought, what you're putting on your dinner? Yes, it might be a plant, but it might not be a plant that's safe to eat either. So for a consumer's point of view, not only do they want to know that they're getting what they pay for, they want to know that they're not going to poison themselves.
0: I mean, this is why I try and, you know, just get the mixed Italian herbs. A little when I'm shopping, you know. I mean, at least there they can be whatever they want. (laughs) But, uh, yeah.
1: You have to question if you're going into the supermarket. Saffron is a great example, Mm. more expensive than gold. Uh, If you're popping into your local corner shop though and you're getting a 10 gram pot for a pound, you have to question are you getting what you're paying for? And honestly, as a consumer, you have to question yourself as well because you know if that's what it's going to cost you that you're not getting the genuine article.
0: Yeah but then again I honestly wouldn't have been able to tell you that saffron was that expensive before, <laughs> before you mentioned it. Just stick some yellow food colouring in you know. Yeah that's, yeah. That's the way. Not
1: on your weekly shopping list. Yeah
0: but there's, but yeah and there's been these bigger studies looking at the sort of long-term effects of on populations as a whole. So in China for example after this milk scandal even even now, so sort of 10, 12 years later, I think the scandal was first broke in 2008. And even now, uh, the price of foreign-made uh, formulas and foreign-made milks is is really high over there. There's a huge demand for it because the trust still hasn't been regained. And in the UK, after the horse meat scandal, there was some surveys done that showed that you know, three out of five consumers in the UK had changed their shopping habits, cutting down on processed meats because of the worries they had about food frauds so it must be a real concern for industry as a whole that these kind of checks are made.
1: Absolutely and it's completely understandable as well with the public because you need to be able to trust uh, the products that you're buying and if you shatter that trust it's going to take a lot to build that back up again. Absolutely from a company's point of view uh, you want your brand to have the, the best name uh, and it takes a long time for a company to build up a brand's reputation and if you can destroy that in no time at all uh, it can be devastating for your business. So from a company's point of view they don't want to attract that kind of publicity.
0: And what do you think of any there's steps that consumers can take to kind of minimize the impact of food fraud?
1: Uh, I mean common sense. Uh, I mentioned the, the saffron do you really think, are you getting a bargain or are you just closing your eyes because you don't want to pay the higher price of the item that you actually want? So there, there is a bit of common sense, but for certain things, uh, for example, flour, um, dried goods, from a consumer's point of view, you you don't really know what you're getting. And so you have to put your trust in those brands. So I think there is a lot of responsibility with uh, producers and sellers to test their products, mm-hmm. not only from their own publicity and their PR point of view, but also from protecting their customers as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, unless we start seeing some backyard NMR spectroscopy devices, <laughs> uh, we're going to have to be relying on on labs and high, uh, high value companies to make sure they're testing their their products. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, thank you for discussing FoodFall with me, Karen. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think that's all we have time for today. But please, wherever you're listening, subscribe to Opinionated Science. And we'll be back next week with another discussion about an interesting topic. So until then, bye for now.